Greetings, everyone. You are listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane at 88.1 and 92.3 FM. And this is Art Hour with your hosts, Eric Woodard and Mike Malson. Ginger Ewing, co-founder and executive director of Terrain, the very popular nonprofit organization that has played a major role in promoting Spokane's emerging and established artists, has been in the news a lot this summer. With COVID-19, Terrain has had to cancel Bazaar, the large summer art event in downtown Spokane, and it looks as if the fall Terrain art event, Spokane's largest, could be canceled as well. The Black Lives Matter movement also has had an effect on Ginger this summer. The powerful Black Lives Matter mural in downtown Spokane is a direct result of the work Ginger, Terrain, and other organizations getting together to make a statement. We thought this would be a good time to replay an interview we had with Ginger and her co-worker Jackie Carl last year. Let's take a listen. everyone. You're listening to KYRS Medical Lake Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. This is Art Hour, and I'm your host, Mike Malsom. I'm your other host, Eric Woodard. And big month coming up, Eric. Mm -hmm. Uh, Big first Friday coming up. Mm -hmm. And um, wouldn't be first Friday without terrain. Mm -hmm. And our guests today are two amazing women who... uh, a big part of that. So, welcome, Ginger Ewing, Hello. Jackie Carl. Hello, Thank it's you great so much having, for you. having us. Yeah. So maybe Ginger, I'll just start with you. Okay. I mean, yeah, uh, like, so. when did this all start, and how did it start? Was uh, this uh, a dream? Uh, is that how it started? Yeah. Or? So, um, well, it started. Um, we're going into our twelfth year, so a little bit about eleven and a half years ago. Um, and myself, um, my now husband, he wasn't my husband at the time, Luke, um, Patrick Kendrick, who was, um, the largest independent music booker at the time, um, in Spokane, um, Mariah McKay, who's a community organizer here in town and Sarah Horner, um, got together. Um, and really it was collectively about several different things. One, um, if you guys have been living in Spokane, um, for any amount of time, like myself, um, and like the remaining four founders, um, if you, you were told this narrative about Spokane, that if you were going to be successful or have fun in your twenties, you were going to do it anywhere but here. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I was at the, at, at the Mac, the Northwest Museum of, Museum of Arts and Culture at the time. Luke was at the Inlander. Again, Patrick was booking music. And despite this massive brain drain that was taking place, we started to recognize that there were these pockets of creativity that still existed in Spokane. And not only pockets of creativity, but amazing creative and artistic talent. Um, And that simultaneously with wanting to create some sort of event where people could come together discover one another, and I'll get into that in a second, um, but also just be proud of their town and be proud of the talent um, that existed here currently. So 
our idea, our, our, our vehicle, our, our tool was art. Um, we purposefully uh, defined art very broadly, and we can get into that later if we want. And our goal was just to get everybody together in one room for a single evening to see what would happen. Um, we were pretty deliberate about wanting to invite um, these circles, these silos of pockets of creativity that we were seeing, um, and also both what we called emerging artists and also established artists because we felt like the whole community of creative people needed to come together um, to, again, celebrate each other but also discover one another. So um, I can't remember, but I do remember attending like one of the very first yes. ones in the music building. But was that the first one, or it did was you guys? Not. Yeah, that's what yes. I thought. There was. A, it was a place in the old that. bank building where, um, oh, and we called it the, the vault, vault, which then actually became the vault like a year or two later, a bar. Um, and I can't remember what bank that used to house, but it had been yeah. sitting empty for many years. And one of kind of like the gutsy aspects about Train and its evolution is we've always kind of asked of our community um, to, to come together and to, to, to give. And that we went to this particularly building owner and said, hey, we have this idea. We're hoping tons of people show up. We want to put a bar in. We want to put art on the walls. And um, also, will you give, you, uh, give us your building for free? <laughs> and sure mm-hmm. enough, he said yes. And that's been one of the most amazing aspects of Train is just this collaborative community coming together to build something together um, in the name of Spokane and in the name of each other. Um, and of course, we've evolved throughout the years. We are a much larger organization, and even saying organization out loud is a little strange <laughs> still because we never intended to build an arts organization. But here we are 12 years later. That flagship event still exists, but we also do a whole bunch of other things in the community. So, Jackie, when did you get involved, and how did you get involved? Well, um, it started... Well, I started with Terrain because I reached out to Ginger. I was one of those people in the community asking her for something for free. (laughs) So um, I was working at the city of Spokane um, in neighborhood services, and I was doing a project on East Sprague, and I was trying to infuse more art into the different community projects I was doing. And I reached out to her and said, do you want to do a window dressing display? Um, I also was, like, really ambitious. (laughs) I was like, can we have a business in one of these buildings? And... Ginger and I went to a lot of meetings with some property owners that we thought would come through and it just didn't didn't quite work out. Um, but through that process, I got to know Ginger and then um, maybe had a couple beers after that event, <laughs> to be honest. And I was like, I would love to work for Terrain. And yeah, she was, was like, like, you'll oh, regret girl, that. As I was just cleaning brick walls a minute ago. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I just, I mean, I had been impacted by Terrain just as a community person in general. And so that was about two and a half or three years ago. Um, and I came on as a volunteer. And then when they were ready to hire a part-time person, I was like, yes, I'll do it. I'll work a million jobs <laughs> all at one time, but I will do it. So. And so what do you do for the, for Terrain uh, now? Operations director. And what does that mean? Oh, good question. I feel <laughs> like in such a small organization, it means you just kind of do a lot of things. Um, but I kind of help more on keeping the back end stuff moving. Um, we now, you know, with our store and all those other things, we have um, pay checks to get out every month. We have, you know, organizing our, our budget and being sure that we're kind of more organized on the back end. And so that's kind of what I do as like the operations director, there are quote uh, marks in the air. Um, and, but that also means, you know, our 
drop off and um, cleaning the warehouse before a big event. So there's there's really a few of us. So I mean, tiling columns is also part yeah. of my title. <laughs> <laughs> she does all the things. Who knew? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. as you're both talking, one interesting thing that s- stands out to me is it sounds like it, it's a lot more administrative than I mean, when you're talking about building this thing, you I mean. Were you an artist trying to get your work out there? Or was this just something where you were taking it in and saying, this is something that I'd like to see? So, how? I mean, how did you, being, you know, mm-hmm. working for the city, uh, working for the MAC, how did you decide to kind of be a, a, an arts manager or whatever you would call it? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think it really evolved gradually. And one of the things that Spokane, or Spokane Terrain really prides itself on is being a community-oriented, community-responsive organization. So like I said earlier, we never intended to start an arts organization. We continued to do, and actually after the first year, like I said, we thought this was going to be one night only, one time thing. And when the second year um, came up, we were like, well, it was you know successful. We kind of looked around, let's do it again. So we did it again on the second year. And actually in the third year, we were thinking about not doing it at all. And we had several different artists come to us and say, if you don't do it, we will. So again, we knew we had tapped into pretty sem- something pretty special and something that the community wanted. And so we kind of just gradually grew. So we did train the flagship event um, for the first five years of our existence. Um, and then kind of simultaneously, we started to recognize that we should probably form a proper 501c3 if we were going to continue to do this. Mainly a big a part of it is um, these things are expensive and we needed to start to get corporate sponsorships and we can't get corporate sponsorships without a 501c3. So we were like, okay, well, let's get a 501c3. I mean, a lot of this really was like looking around the room and it was like, okay, what's the next step? Or let's Google this. And Luke and I literally just mm-hmm. did a keynote um, speech down at WSU about six months ago talking about like building this organization through Google because <laughs> it's like really no joke. We're just like learning mm-hmm. along the way. Um, um, but then our, our next kind of big flagship event that we did or next big event that we did is an event called Bazaar and really that came from um, many different artists th- saying that they wanted an opportunity kind of much like Art Fest or mar- much like Art on the Green but that was accessible um, for emerging artists and why I mean accessible, affordable um, to emerging artists and um, I actually at the time had gone to the museum and said this is a need that people say that they want. Do we want to do like a different kind of art fest or do we want to junior is not the right word but do we want to do kind of an art fest like intermediate step um, for these emerging artists and um, and there wasn't really capacity at the museum to do that so again it was us looking around and saying okay this is what artists say that they want simultaneously we were also starting to recognize that if we really wanted um, creative people young and creative people to stay in Spokane um, it was one thing to celebrate them, and that's really important, but we also needed to start to create the infrastructure, the resources and tools that they needed to, in order to survive, in order to make it um, as artists here in Spokane. Um, and a big part of that is being able to sell your artwork. A big part of that is be able, being mm-hmm. able to meet art buyers. And um, while Terrain does that, um, in some degree, Bazaar is, like, was very deliberate about um, making those sort of connections. And so we started bizarre and you know again it just kind of Mm -hmm. um evolved in that way um and so we became an official 501c3 um late 2013 so basically 2014 so we're only five years into this official nonprofit gig yeah so what uh i mean i was trying to think 
you started this out and you kind of got a really pretty cool community event and, and you get feedback because I think at that time you tapped into Spokane uh, into a real hunger for this kind yes. of a, these yeah. kind of events even though you're thinking well let's just do this for one time and see how that turns out but when did you realize you know I think I think we're on to something here or we're developing a passion, which we didn't expect, through this, because what you're doing is bringing lots yeah. of people together. When did that happen, and uh, was it like when you did Bazaar, or after Bazaar, you're kind of going, you know, I think we can grow this. That's a really good question. So I think um, it happens um, multiple times throughout the year. The first, I, I, I knew about two and a half hours into that very first event that we had tapped into something really, really special. And there was a, a deep hunger and a need there. I think um, with Bazaar around that time period, we started understanding, better understanding, um, the, again, the infrastructure, the resources and tools that artists needed. I think that for me on a very personal level, um, I began to recognize um, the absolutely like vital role that art and creativity plays in the building of a kind of community that I want to live in. And I started to recognize that um, we needed to fight a little bit harder in terms of advocacy and in terms of, again, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but building the kinds of foundations needed in order for creatives to thrive in a city and understanding and understanding what that looked like and understanding how important it was um, if we wanted Spokane to be the version of Spokane that we were envisioning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we really view artists and creativity is the heart and the soul of a community and it's what makes us uniquely Spokane and so that I think kind of diving into that passion and that knowledge is really kind of what has lifted us up to the next level for lack of a better description. Well looking backwards it just seems kind of inevitable right mm -hmm. you're here now and yeah. the organization's mm -hmm. here and when you look backwards but obviously along the road there were probably a lot of things that that were really challenging what were some of the things that you ran into or the <laughs> things that you still run into yeah. that make this such a such a um, that might make this difficult to makes it it that you, behind the scenes it looks a lot easier mm -hmm. than it is. Mm -hmm. I I've been talking yeah. a lot. I, something immediately came to my mind, and then I'll, I'll, I'll use, let yeah, Jackie. Use, use I think, I think because Terrain has been able to do these really big, large-scale events, and because we've been able to really galvanize a community of people around us, that people. I think I don't want to sound like a martyr. That's not what I'm trying to sound like. But I do think in some cases we're a victim of our own success because people think it's a lot easier to throw these events mm -hmm. or that train has a ton of money or train has, you a know, ton a ton of staff. And <laughs> I mean, we literally have had staff for two years. I mean, we did this for 10 years mm -hmm. as volunteers. And I think that, um, the from we we hear this a lot of like oh you guys have everything that you need or you make it easy or train is well off mm -hmm. and we are still just as scrappy Stubbly. as we were <laughs> um in that you know yeah. that very first train and and I, again i don't want to 
Um, that's not necessarily a negative thing, um, but it is um, a misconception that people have about the organization. Yeah. Well, you've become such a big institution in this mm-hmm. town. You've been around for so long that they probably just think, mm-hmm. oh, the gravy train is here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it hasn't been that way. Where is that gravy and, train? <laughs> <laughs> left the station. But, oh. but it hasn't big, gotten here yet. Yeah. A big part of that, though, and you're, and you're always really good about uh, saying this, is that it doesn't happen without, mm-hmm. you know, your right-hand people and your volunteers. So, and Jackie, I know you have really taken up a big part of that role, mm-hmm. uh, which really helps kind of maybe free up a little space for visionary stuff mm-hmm. where you can actually start thinking about stuff, but yeah. they need a yeah. person to do all the nuts and bolts. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, still we would need more, you know, to function healthy. Uh, we would need more, but it's definitely that's the hope is that Ginger can focus on doing what an ED or executive director would be doing um, in a traditional nonprofit. Not to say that in most traditional nonprofits, everyone's working Mm -hmm. really hard and they're probably working more than they should. And that's just kind of the nature of the business. Um, And the reason that they're nonprofits is because they're passion. And so you drive more on passion than you do on how much money's in your pocket. Um, But again, that doesn't keep the doors open. So, Um, but yeah, I've I've taken on a lot of, I mean, and we both do. It's not to say that Ginger's not still doing a lot of those, um, the nuts and bolts stuff. That's still very much our reality. Um, You know, opening up from here was an undertaking of epic, epic proportions. (laughs) In what way? Oh, just in, well, it was probably the scariest thing I've ever been involved in as far as like, it's just, a monster that that I don't think either of us really um, quite understood. Uh, what do you mean by st- a monster? It's just like stress level, um, because you're, it's like you're opening a retail store and you're like, well, I've never opened. I mean, we we had the pop up shop, but it was so much smaller and in mm. a, you know a more independent kind of location. Where moving into a space where you're you know down the hall from Athleta is a lot different, and it feels different, and it's a little bit more scary. Um, a little and, bit harder to Google. Yeah, a little harder. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A little little bit harder to Google, but also, you know, relying on a lot of people to help us as well and finding those people um, to help uh, with all these different things is is sometimes a challenge, too, because I think they think we have what we need. And I'm like, I've got one guy painting over there in the Jensen Bird right now. We could use 10, you know. but that's, you know, you put calls out there and you hope people will reply mm-hmm. and you get what you can get. And so when, when people think it's like, you know, you snap your finger and this whole thing goes up, it's it's really a lot of us still getting our hands dirty. Sure. And doing well, and even as Ginger mentioned, being a victim of your own success, mm-hmm. it's been interesting, too, because I bet you get so many submissions every year. Yeah. So every year you have to turn down mm-hmm. more and more submissions. You're just, you're just not yeah. big enough. I yeah. mean, what kind of a building would you have to have in order to have that many people with yeah. the submissions? Yeah. If we were to take ev- – so right now we're at about a 20% acceptance rate, mm. uh, if not a little bit lower than that. So, um, And we are in about thirty five to 40,000 square feet, so – you know, do the math. Uh, it's I'm in the thick yeah. of train season, so my brain's not working. <laughs> so, you know, two hundred thousand, um, yeah. you know, square feet um, of of space. If we were to accept every single person and every um, single piece, really, and every single piece, <laughs> that would be really a yeah. lot of work. Um, so, how do you? What are you looking for? What are your criteria for making those decisions? If oh. you have to turn down eighty percent, that, that's we a great a decision. So, um, <laughs> everything everything yeah. that we do, whether it's the flagship event, it's bazaar, it's from here, 
everything that we do, the train gallery, everything we do is a juried process. And um, it's a different jury every time. So what we try to do is we try to get as diverse of a jury as possible. So diverse in cultural background, diverse in experience in the art community. So whether you're an, an artist or an administrator, um, diversity in art forms. So we get a lot of photography um, um, submissions. And so having mm. a professional photographer mm. on the jury who um, who um, can help us vet that stuff out um, is also really important. Um, we did, like I said early on, we define art very broadly, um, and so we um, we have we we try to have someone who's really heavily involved in the design world um, on every single jury that we do. Um, we have um, in the past that we had a single jury that did. Um, all of the submissions, we've broken it out. So we have a musical jury. Well, we actually, that's the one jury that we've also always had outside of visual is a is a music jury. So we have a group of um, musical professionals who are during, during the music. We now have a group of uh, uh, film professionals who do mm -hmm. all of uh, the, the film submissions. We have uh, Mark Anderson, uh, our Spokane's Poet Laureate. He leads all of the literary submissions. So again, we're making sure that experts in the community and who have a good grasp of what the community represents um, are helping us flesh those submissions out. And then to take that further, do you give them a direction to say, we're looking for, you know, we want this many emerging and this many established, or what kind of direction do you so give So we, we say um, we want to be as, um, as, what's the term I usually, it's not open, but as, um, well, I'm going to use the term now, right now, is we want to be as, um, as generous and open to as many artists as possible. We say the same thing to the jurors that I just kind of said, we're looking, we want um, multiple perspectives. We want diversity and culture. We want, um, you know, emphasis on LGBTQ plus community and mm. people of color. Um, we want, um, we no longer define emerging um, or established. Um, we made that, we learned from that a long time ago. Um, Who you call so, it emerging? Yeah, so if someone feels like their work um, belongs in terrain, we respect that. That's the artist's choice. Um, and then diversity, obviously, in medium. So 3D versus 2D versus poetry, film, art, music. Um, so we tell the jury that, that you know, that this very similar thing um, is diversity, 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 and being as kind of open and welcoming as possible. And I think that's a, it, I mean, that's a really long process for them. I mean, it's about, how long was it this year? I mean, year? it usually, hours it usually takes at, ten? at bare minimum 10 hours yeah. to jury. And, and it really is, yeah. you know, like they're going through, I think we had 1,300 submissions and that was because we limited to only five pieces. This is on the visual and, and mm -hmm. installation side. Um, and so it was still like a daunting task. You think like, oh, you take half of the submissions away and it's going to go so fast. And it's still, you know, like you're, you're looking through a lot of art on that day. And we give them prior access to try to get them caught up a little bit, but it's still mm -hmm. a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have a, a standard um, criteria and they do that or is it more of a an overall gestalt of what you were mm -hmm. just saying? That's a good question. So we um, jury through a democratic process. So we have five jurors. So it's always an odd number just in case there's 
disagreement about a specific piece. But so the first round is just looking at the body of work. So everybody's familiar with everything that um, has been submitted. The second round um, it was when voting begins. Um, and so if you get three out of the five votes of jurors, your piece is automatically submitted into the show. Um, and then the third round is for fine tuning. So going back mm -hmm. and looking at the pieces that might not have gotten those three stars and really digging deeper, looking at the description, looking at size, and that's where the jury can start to have some you know, um, intense conversations on um, why they're advocating for certain work. And then, so after that third round, we pretty much have the show kind of firmed down, but then each juror is also given a passion vote. Um, and mm. they are allowed a piece in no matter what the other juries think. Um, hmm. So that's kind of the process. It's very democratic. And at the end of it all, we have our show. At the very cool. end, each, each juror gets a pardon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> All, right, all right. So we were talking about uh, terrain, and, and uh, everybody thinks they have all this money and they have it set up. That's maybe what you're thinking about KYRS as yes. well. Yeah. Exactly. And so uh, this is community radio, non-corporate, no advertisements. You haven't heard any of that. So if you like what you hear, if you want to help support artists and all the other people who come in here and talk on the show, please uh, consider giving to KYRS. It's very easy. All you have to do is text uh, the phrase "give KYRS" all one word to four four three two one. That's "give KYRS" to four four three two one, and that'll help us uh, keep coming out on the radio and keep the lights on. Yes, and um, speaking of that, we have a great underwriter. Uh, the Art Hour receives support from South Perry Pizza, featuring rotating local artists and serving hand-tossed artisan pizza, beer, and wine. 1011 South Perry Street and online at SouthPerryPizzaSpokane.com. So thank you, South Perry Pizza, for underwriting Art Hour. And, and I'd also, before you get to that, I'd like to uh, play a little bit from my friend Jukebox uh -huh. Jenny, who has a blues show every Sunday night. Uh, so I'm going to play a little bit of what she does here. Hang out with me, Jukebox Jenny, on Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. to hear America's very own music, the blues. Let me help you shake the trouble out with a mix of funk, R&B, and blues from Delta to Chicago. You'll hear... Don't forget to shake your rump, too. I'm living for the weekend. It's a cocktail that will soothe the soul. Working Woman's Blues, Sunday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., right here on KYRS. So here we are, uh, year 12, Ginger, and, and terrain really kind of, it seems like every year... A new seed gets planted and it starts to germinate a little bit. I mean, we have the 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 retail store now at the the mall, um, mm -hmm. and and how's that and how's that going so far? Yeah, it's going it's going great. Um, yeah. And uh, like Jackie said, it's been a massive undertaking for the organization on multiple levels. But what an incredible platform for 
artists in that particular setting um, to be able to expo- be exposed to kind of a broader Spokane audience. Um, our particular storefront gets 3.4 million walkbys a year. So again, a really incredible opportunity for our local artists who, pr- who are participating in the shop. Um, so far, so good. I mean, we're constantly tweaking. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, much to Jackie's dismay. <laughs> um, but we're, we're constantly, again, tweaking and learning. Um, we opened in, you know, during the summertime, which is a a relatively slow time um, for retail in Spokane in general. It's, it's called the Lake Effect. If you've never heard of it, <laughs> um, and yes. so we're we're really excited for the fall and for the <coughs> holiday season to see what happens in that space, and then also for just people to uh, to know that we're there. Um, that for a particular section that we're in is on the second floor next to Urban Outfitters, and that particular space has been empty for many years. And so just retraining people to mm-hmm. walk down that hallway, and that there there is you know goods that way Mm -hmm. and then also um, letting the public know that this is you know 100% locally made goods it's direct support of artists in our community and um, a really wonderful way um, to spend your local dollars and Um, not only that but you can meet the artists they do work in the store mm -hmm. and so they spend a four-hour shift every month Mm -hmm. so you could walk in and meet the person who actually is making the stuff that you're purchasing so doesn't get more local than that as the (laughs) operations director what um, uh, what role do you have? Well, tell us a little bit about the stress <laughs> that you went through and getting that going, just from your perspective, yeah. and then maybe what your how that's evolved into your current role. Well, that was more of my carpal tunnel syndrome from <laughs> tiling for <laughs> hours and hours. And I think hours. the tiling is that's a sticky subject. It's never going to go away. I'm, right I'm physically changed the second time forever. It's come up. <laughs> <laughs> um, as I'm cleaning, I'm like my hands hurt. Yeah. Um, I would say. Really, it was the growing it from such a small, you know, at at the pop-up shop, which it formerly was, um, it was such a manageable size. You know, you had, how many makers did we have, like, made max of 24 to 27 at any given time, and one employee, and then we also could choose our hours because of the location. I mean, they gave us a little stipulation, but Mm -hmm. essentially... We could say, okay, we're only going to be open Wednesday through Saturday, which is really not a lot, um, into a place where we're kind of on the whim of, you know, we have to work with the mall hours. And actually, they worked with us, um, which was really nice to cut an hour off each end, because for us, staffing that and then also, you know, figuring out how to fill a store of that size is a lot different than than where we were before. So now you've taken something and you've doubled or tribbled the size of it, not only in... Seven times the so, size. Oh, sorry, seven, 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 seven times yeah. the size. So then you triple the number of artists you're dealing with. So that's a whole nother layer of complexity of like mm. keeping track of all of them. Um, and now we have three staff that are working part-time in there and keeping track of them and trying to, you know figure all of that out is a little bit different than being like okay this is manageable it's like this nice cute little store that's 650 square feet with one employee great we got it you know so that's that's really where the stress came from was like man this is a this is a big thing we we haven't besides the two of us had employees employees like more than just one besides us so it's just another animal you're dealing with it's a it's a big financial leap for the yeah, organization as well um we're um counting on people coming in yeah yeah and supporting and, and how artists. do yeah. how do local artists um if they want to um have a place in mm-hmm. a space in your in that store how would they go yeah. about doing that's that? a great yeah. question so we have a link on our website that kind of takes people through the process um and again it's juried like everything else that we do and with 
in the the from here where the retail um, storefront in particular we try to have a good mix of a little bit of everything so for example we don't want you know 30 jewelry makers um, at a time um, or 30 visual artists and so making sure that we have a nice mix and so um, you kind of go through the jury process and if it's a good fit um, at that moment in time then you're pretty much immediately we kind of take you through the process of onboarding you um, if it's just not a good fit for uh, the store in general we'll let you know folks know that or if we really love um, the particular artwork or items that the people are suggesting but we have too much of that um, kind of thing we'll just say hey can we put you on a wait list um, one of the nice things about the retail storefront is we do month-to-month contracts um, with the artists so it's very little I shouldn't say it's it's not a huge commitment on their end we try to make it as flexible and as accessible as possible so artists come and go and so there's a very good chance that you know that jewelry maker mm-hmm. who had been in the shop for six months decided that it was time to to move on and then now we have space for you mm-hmm. so you put out a, like a call for artists of a particular type uh, of genre whether it's jewelry or uh, you know um, some other types yeah, of yeah right now it's, of, you know? it's a little bit different in this um sense where we don't we it's just kind of always open mm-hmm. um and so <clears throat> on the website you can apply at any time oh, mm-hmm. unlike with most other things it's very much like in time with the next mm-hmm. event that's coming um so it's just a ongoing if you decide today's the day you want to apply great get on there and you can apply and yeah that's kind of how it works and did did you guys have some <laughs> input into the uh the art and the actual decor of the space, which is uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. Tell us, talk about that a little yeah. bit. I didn't get to choose if we had tile or not. <laughs> I chose. I chose that we had tile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As she evil eyes me. Yeah. Um, so we, we actually have um, two friends who are in the creative scene um, who are incredible interior designers, and they kind of came on board and helped us with um, with the, the design and the layout of the space. Um, we obviously had a lot of say in that as well um Catherine Catherine Tibbetts and um Jonathan Vander sorry Jonathan Vander Holden Vander Bomb something like that mm-hmm. sorry Jonathan um and um they you know, kind of held our hands through the process but yes we had mm-hmm. a lot of say in kind of what we wanted and um the particular space that we're in in the mall um is a part of um the old mall the old building and so our space is actually a turn of the century building with brick walls and all of that and that was one of the selling points for us is it has this rich history it didn't um, it didn't feel like, I sh- I'm just going to say, it didn't feel like you were in the mall. It has tall ceilings. Um, and so um, we really wanted to pay homage to that. And so hence the like 1920s style of, of tile. Um, we did a deep you know, green ceiling to kind of create this coziness and this atmosphere to really offset the artwork and the, the handmade goods that are in the store. So really wanting to pay homage to that. We found an old ghost yeah, sign on, on one of the you know, brick walls. And, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, just, just wanting to pay homage to, to Spokane then and now. Cool. Did your experience at the, the MAC, um, were you a curator there as... Um, have you always been interested in visual, I guess, organization of things, whether mm-hmm. it's community? I mean, I see a lot of metaphors here yeah. in the work you've been doing the last 12 years Yeah, or that's so. a really good question. Um, the, I stumbled upon this work uh, a little bit 
differently. So I, I've always known from a very, very early age that I wanted to be involved in my community somehow. And that was a very important part of my being and my existence. I just needed to be a part of my community. Um, even when, when I was young and even starting at the museum, that for me was very black and white. It was serving underserved communities. It was, um, or people of color, or um, again, just underserved communities. And it was through my work at the museum and through my work at Terrain that I started to recognize that just as important was creating spaces and places where people felt like they had a voice or spaces and places where people could find community, or spaces and places where we could humanize each other um, and empathize with one another. And that was not a context of which I saw the world until probably six or seven years ago. And once I started to have these kind of aha moments of these are just as powerful and just as important, um, I started getting really excited about kind of diving into this sort of work and really Terrain sees itself as a community building organization first and foremost. And again, our vehicle, our method is through art and creativity. And we believe really strongly in the power of art and creativity to transform communities. But it really at its heart and its soul is a community building organization. Um, and so I c how can I not be a part of that? Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned community building, I have kind of two questions for you. Um, one, I mean, you've already, you start at the vault and then you're at the music building and then you're at the cracker building and then you're at Jensen Bird. I mean, it, this has grown and then you have the pop-up shop and then you have from here. So, I, I mean, I don't need to let any cats out of the bag if there are any cats, but I kind of want to know what's next. Yeah. If, if you're building community and it just keeps getting bigger and it keeps being successful, what's next for terrain? But I'm also interested, what do you perceive should be next for the t even if terrain doesn't do it what what is something that should be a next logical step that we might be looking for or seeing somebody create in this town yeah mm -hmm. that's a really good question <clears throat> i'd say uh well i'd <laughs> say permanent space for art i mean as you mm. just described our situation over the last 12 years moving from building to building to building and it's awesome because every nearly every single one of those buildings has something in it or has been redeveloped completely mm -hmm. um where our, you know, the Cracker Building's a great example, we tend to be the ones who aren't there. You know, like, we have our gallery there, but, like, it would be nice if we could find a place that we could call home um, that was a permanent space, and that's a huge undertaking um, for our organization, um, not given the external, you know, size of us, but the internal size is, that makes it a little difficult to figure out, like, how would you even begin to to get a building Especially if it needed to be tiled. Yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if it needed to be tiled. Number four. <laughs> yeah, that so was I think I think, you know, kind of building off of what Jackie was saying, one of the things that we are looking at as an organization is the preservation of cultural mm -hmm. space. And mm -hmm. that is becoming critically important as Spokane is getting uh, hipper. I sound old when I say yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What do the kids say these days? Um, but more desirable place to live. And you're seeing a whole bunch of people, um, outside people, moving to Spokane. And they're coming with a lot of wealth. And housing prices are going up. Mm -hmm. And buildings are being bought up. And in that process, um, that we have the potential to make expats out of the creative people who made Spokane desirable in the first place. And so one of the things that our organization is looking at really 
seriously while we're still advocating for the importance of art and creativity in Spokane because there's still work to do on the, in that front. But also looking five years, 10 years, 15 mm-hmm. years down the line and how do we preserve these cultural spaces so we don't become the next Portland or we don't become the next Seattle where there are artists and creative people. This is a very general sta- statement, but for the most part can no longer afford to live in those cities, right? right? And so what can we do to learn from those communities and put in um, whether it's incentives to building owners or it's policies that the cities create or you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, Seattle is actually doing this really incre- incredible thing right now that is um, giving bonds, uh, tax bonds to building owners who preserve cultural space. Mm. So what are the types of things that we can start to implement now so we don't find ourselves in the situation that those other cities are finding now, themselves all of those, in? Uh, all of those discussions that you just mentioned, those seem more political and maybe outside the realm of terrain I mean do, do you see that sort of thing happening now in this town is that is that where we're moving toward because that's sort of out of your hands and more in the city council and mayor's hands yeah so I, I remember very clearly about four or five years ago I was lamenting to Luke about like ah oh, this is political I don't know <laughs> and he's like Ginger I hate to tell you this like in our position as terrain, we have to think politically. It is it, it is a political position. If you're advocating for the rights of artists and creatives in this town, that there is a political bent to that. And um, so, while we as a nonprofit remain, <laughs> remain um, apolitical in some in some regards, um, we very much see ourselves in the trenches, working with the mayor, working with city council, um, working with other arts organizations here in town to affect real change. So, 100% we view ourselves as um, at least needing to to get again in the in the through the dredges of the political realm if we want to affect real change yeah. I think uh, yeah even taking it out of the political realm <clears throat> you know you you live in a place and you uh, and you go to another and you think about the things that you love about that place and generally you're going to come up with things that are usually cultural based or arts based in some way mm-hmm. and you may not notice it or realize it at the time but that's usually what you fall into and that you really enjoy about a city and or something that is actually community based like a park or something like that um, and so it's it's really like creating a place that people want to be and arts and creativity and culture is a really smart way to do that and cities that do that well are benefiting, benefiting from it like Austin and, and places like mm-hmm. that and we also need to, you know, I once heard this one line about that we need to stop thinking about arts as a nicety, but a necessity. And again, that goes into the idea of like, if we want to be holistic, healthy, happy human beings, art and creativity are a big part of that. Um, it's a big part of our built environment. We need to be intentional about that. It's a big part. Again, we were talking about giving people a voice, humanizing one another, creating empathy with one another. Art is, while two-dimensional art on a wall is incredibly powerful in a lot of ways, art is, grows so much behind, uh, beyond that. And we really believe that art and creativity play a pivotal role in the health of a, of a healthy, or a pivotal role in the health of our community. Um, and so, um, yeah, I just, I, you know, it's, it's our heart and soul. It's what makes us healthy. Um, and we are going to continue to fight for that as long as we need to. Um, yeah. I w- am also wondering, um, you know, <coughs> we talked about the, the stress, you know, of opening up the from here um, shop that you have and, and how big a, 
a deal that was and you know and and it's a big risk i mean there's a lot of scary things that go mm-hmm. into that and deadlines and you know risk and there's still it probably scary and whether mm-hmm. you can make a profit and all those things but having gone through what both of you have gone through have you ever thought about also somewhere in this uh, short or long-range goal of mentoring other women mm-hmm. around entrepreneurship about what it's like to take risks, the empowerments, and things like that as as part of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do a, one really quick follow-up, and then I'll answer mm-hmm. your question. I do also think a really one of the wonderful, exciting things about living in Spokane right now is we do actually have politicians and community leaders who are thinking about art and creativity in ways that hasn't necessarily happened as um, fully as it's happening now. So I just I want to give a mm-hmm. shout out to those people who are thinking in, in those terms. Um, Kate Burke, Ben Stuckert, um, you know, Ma- Mayor Condon has reached out to us. So there are there are community leaders who are thinking in, in, in those terms. Um, so to go back to <laughs> your question about mentorship, that actually is um, in, a, in an informal way, a big part of the work that train does on a daily basis as well we we get emails almost daily about can you mentor me in this way or how do i price my artwork or give me can i pick your brain about this or um you know looking at um contracts um for um you know purchasing of of not purchasing the buildings um going into rental spaces for artists studio spaces for artists so we do a lot of mentorship um very informally um, and it's not specific to women, but it certainly obviously includes um, women. And again, as we grow as an organization, I come from an educational background in the, in the museum world. I would love something like that um, if we had the capacity and as we grow. You know, when we, when we visualize this ecosystem um, and this building that we want to create, sooner rather than later (laughs) Um, you know um, mentorship is a huge part of that and education is a huge part of that and so I hope so I hope in a a more formal way that that we're doing those types of things in the meantime you know we'll sit down and have a cup of coffee or sit on a panel or you know um, do the things that we can um, until we get there yeah yeah, I just see and I'm sure you see this you know as as educators um, Kids going off to college, or but there's a lot of um, uh, uh, people who really want to kind of maybe forego the costs of college, mm-hmm. but really make a difference, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And um, I just know that role models and mentors and people doing professional developments around yeah. mm-hmm. those kind of things um, is another. If you build it, I think they will come yeah. type of a thing. And I just think terrain is kind of built up. In so, in so many levels, an opportunity for people of all backgrounds um, to, to get in and also be in on the creative side, which entrepreneurship is as well, but also the things that go along with that, mm-hmm. yep. you know. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think that's also important um, in terms of uh, people in color, of color and artists of color. Um, for those of you who don't know what I look like, um, <laughs> <laughs> I am a black woman. So um, I, I, you know, I didn't have that that t- sort of mentorship mm-hmm. from someone who looked like me when I was growing up, and I I, I understand acutely the importance of of that. Um, and so yes to all the things that you just said. <laughs> well, and it must feel interesting to you know you start this twelve years ago, and then suddenly you're kind of I mean. 
this is going to come out sounding wrong, but you've kind of are becoming an icon in this town. I mean, you just win the this. Uh, is it the YWCA? What was the what was the award? T- can uh, I mean, go ahead and toot your own horn, but I want to know. <laughs> I, this was just I think in the paper yesterday. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the it's uh, the woman of the year, and and they choose ten different people, um, but one for arts and culture. And I was chosen this year. I was lucky enough to be chosen this year. Congratulations. Yeah, That's very cool. So then you become kind of in that position, uh, just being in terrain and then winning that award. I mean, where that's that's kind of the that's the big step. And, and you kind of by default become that person. Mm-hmm. And so I, as Mike was talking about, I mean, I think the further you get into this, whether it's mm-hmm. education or whatever you do, uh, you know, whether it's whether it's, you know. Uh, running a business or whether it's being arts and culture I mean that's that's how you build a community yep. and, yeah and, and I and I joke around too a little bit about well I mean kind of I mean we we did we're learning along the way and we continue mm-hmm. to learn along the way but we've also always been very intentional um, and will continue to be so and so yeah whatever that becomes for sure so um, there's kind of a another a third leg of this three-legged stool, uh, which would be <laughs> your husband, Luke, um, who wouldn't be able to join us. But um, what kind of um, dialogue, you know, when you guys are out, you know, Jackie and Ginger, you know. Uh, and Luke, Luke doesn't and, hang and, out with and, us yeah. together. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's kind of like when Eric and I go out, We it always ends up in, a, in a, some sort of dialogue about Hey, what if? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of like what Eric was alluding to now, you, you talked about a big space, a common mm-hmm. space, but anything else kind of drifting in the terrain wins? I would say anything and everything. I think, <laughs> I think one of the reasons why we've been able to be as successful as we have been is because we're dreamers and we're always thinking big and we're always thinking to the next thing and we're always looking at what other communities are doing and whether or not that's a good fit for Spokane. And we're always looking at what we think or hear Spokane's needs are and always, I mean, we have 20 other ideas, you know, that we want to do now um, if we had the capacity. And so it almost is, well, it's not almost, it is 100% to the point where we actually have to intentionally turn it off um, because if it were up to Luke and I or Jackie and I um, or the three of us together, that's all we would talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we have to be really intentional about, Luke and I just went on vacation and we um, get a little nervous about walking into an art gallery or an art museum because then we feel like we'll just kind of divul- uh, go down the rabbit <laughs> hole of like yeah. talking about work versus like, a vacation that we've taken in three years and we should just like take a deep breath and enjoy each other. So yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I live and breathe and dream and toss and turn 24 hours a day, 365 days a year about what this could be. Well, and that's kind of what I tell my students, and I'm sure you told your students too, is when you find that thing, mm-hmm. it, it's not work anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it's intertwined with your life. So mm-hmm. there's no, I mean, it, it's hard to say, I need to have a life over mm-hmm. here. But when you have a great passion and a great job, it, it does become that. And I was going to ask you both a question, and you might not be able to come up with the answer right away, but I'm always curious about this. So it's been kind of serendipitous, this whole journey. It seems like mm-hmm. it just things present themselves and then you do it. Mm-hmm. What has been the biggest surprise for you in being a part of this organization? And, and and this could be anything from on the arts side, on the business side, on the city side, on, you know, whatever that is. What What has surprised you the most about this? 
Mm. Uh-oh, did I stump you? hard question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I, I'm surprised every time we can pull it off. <laughs> 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 I mean, not really. Like, you know you're going into it, and you, you are like, I will make this happen, and we'll, we'll get it together. And, Does it and still feel that way, that, that it's just like, it's just by the seat of your pants, and you're crossing I mean, your always. fingers? I, some, I mean, yeah, some things yeah. always are going to be that way, and I think that that's not necessarily bad. Um, there's comfort in that to some degree and that's what makes it fun is to not really know some of those things. So, so solid, but, um, yeah, I I mean, yeah, you're always like, Oh, we, how in the world are we going to get like 400 pieces of art up in a week? That's impossible. And it's not impossible. I will tell you, that's a a very heartening (laughs) answer to know that I'm not the only one who feels that way about most things. You feel like you've got it. You know, you look at everybody else and you say, they've got it so together. And then you find out, oh, they're just like me. (laughs) But when you when you do accomplishment, like you said, it's a surprise. And you think at the beginning, there's no way. From here, there's no way we're opening on that night. I mean, know how many hours you guys put in. But when it's all done and you realize you did it, is it? Doesn't it give you such a great mm-hmm. feeling of accomplishment? Oh, yeah. And then sure. you start reflecting back on that journey, and mm-hmm. it feels good for about 10 minutes, and you're ready to do it again yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I think for me, maybe this says a lot about who I am as a human, and I need to work on this. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't allow myself to revel in like feeling like, very rarely am I like, oh, that was a great success. I'm always, again, that perfectionist who was like, we could have done this better. I could have done that why better. I'm I could have, <laughs> you know, like, um, I, I still like worry that nobody's going to show up for touring the event. You know, I just, I'm, a, I'm constantly dissecting what we mm-hmm. can do better and be better at. And, um, and I need to work on that. It's a little pathological, but um, that's just that's that's who I am and, and how I work. And I think part of the reason why we've been able to build what we've been able to build because we 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 don't ever feel like we've arrived. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's always mm-hmm. work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a healthy thing, though. Too, it helps keep fueling the motivation mm-hmm. a little sure. bit. I think if you didn't have that or I think you know the passion would wane it would be it would be different yeah well with the last few minutes we have left uh we really haven't mentioned terrain I mean we haven't mentioned it's coming up and there's a preview night and there's a whole so tell us kind of what what people should be looking for go ahead well, a lot of art. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, similar to last year, it's in the same building, which is not the Cracker Building. If we can get that out to as many people as possible. It's actually in the Jensen Bird Building, so 131 East Main, just up the street from KYRS. Um, and uh, we have, I think, slightly more art than we had last year. If I'm, I'm getting kind of the number of artists versus number of, of work in. There's a lot of interactive art this year which is really exciting like people doing really fun weird things um which i i always find super engaging for a community to kind of stretch their boundaries and and they go in and it's not what they expected um so that's going to be super fun um to see that all come together people are kind of in the building now like starting to to build their little structures um 
What else? There will be music. Um, so preview night is uh, is with the artists as well. So artists who are in the show get a free ticket, and they it, it was originated as just an artist um, kind of get together, and it's grown into preview night. Um, and so it's an opportunity if you get to come to that night or you get a ticket. They're twenty five dollars. Um, you can meet the artists. You also have first pick of the art. Um, if you're somebody who wants like kind of a little bit lower key situation. Um, it's a little bit nicer. Are there uh, any tickets left? Yes, there are tickets left. And that's um, so. How would they get a ticket? And yeah. the date of that is the first Thursday, first Thursday yes, of October. Yes, so the third. Yeah, third. Yeah. Um, you can get a ticket at Bitly dot or no <laughs> Bitly backslash terrain. <laughs> I go to our website. Yeah. Yes, just go to our website and yeah. I'll, I'll you'll see it at the top. Yes. Yeah, go to the the event yeah. terrain and you'll find it. Um, and also on our Facebook, you yeah. can buy it straight through Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg gets just a small cut of that. <laughs> and I don't think we've mentioned where the From Here story, I mean, we've alluded to it, but where can yep, they find it's, it? It's River Park Square on the yeah. second floor yeah. of River Park Square, 801 West Main yeah. Suite, 251. And yeah. if they, what's that near? Where, what, what, what? It's near um, Urban Outfitters on the second floor, okay. and then STCU is right mm-hmm. across the way. Po- uh, Polka Dot Pottery is yeah. right across the way right there. Yeah. yeah, And we do have other things going on in the store as well, like workshops. Um, a lot of the makers that are in the store um, are putting on their own workshops, whether it's stamp making, uh, macrame. I don't know if there's so many different ones coming up, a flower uh, arrangement type of thing. So those are all also on our website um, under the From Here tab. Um, you can see all of those. So that's a fun way to kind of get your own hands dirty and try something new. And are you doing Bazaar again this year yes. in the winter? Yeah, yeah. so we yeah. have um, that call should be coming up We've been getting a lot of Another horse in the merry-go-round. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Bazaar is December 14th this year okay. um, and it will be um, very similar to, to last year and there will be a call going out oh, sometime soon. Maybe soon. A, let us get through terrain, <laughs> I'd love but to we get should probably get it train, de- done before that. Yeah. Um, and then we also, we have monthly gallery shows um, in the train gallery, we switch it out. We switch, we switch it out mm-hmm. monthly, but we're open Thursday through Saturday, six p.m. to eight p.m. year round um, in the Washington Cracker Building. Yeah, and the the current uh, show there yes. is really kind of a unique uh, show as well. Yeah, is, it's Ellen Ellen Pickin and Raja Bose, and it's immersive installation um, project called Things Change, and they did a really incredible job. It's g- giant, oversized Jacob's ladders, and it's a lot of fun. Um, so we would encourage you to go check that out as well. It's a great show for kids yeah like, yeah I mean it's all things you can touch and change and move so it's, yeah. it's super fun and then just one other shout out about train 12 it's the last year we're going to be in the Jensen bird um, oh. so if you have not come and experienced that building it's, it's incredible it's do you beautiful. know where you're going to be next year we no. do not wow okay so the well we're jumping thing around to keep yeah. you up yes. at night right? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> more, more floors to mop more yeah, walls yeah. to clean exactly yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it really it, it is um the best space that we've ever been in for the show. And it's a, mm-hmm. a huge loss to our organization to no longer be able to do the event there. Um, but it's also a really just, uh, you need to come experience the Jensen bird. And so if you haven't definitely come this so year. So I didn't mention that obviously that terrain itself is on October 4th, which is free and open to anyone. Mm-hmm. It's from uh, five to midnight. So anybody can come and enjoy all the different yeah, types of art the and musical music. lineup is yeah, incredible this year for yeah. um the free event and the art itself is really really yeah, strong really this great. year so yeah which i think back to the very first mm-hmm. terrain and i 
can remember, you know, some of the art, and I'm looking at the art now. Mm-hmm. I mean, every year it just people are just you know raising their game yeah, a yeah, lot. Yeah. So, and I think that also shows in art sales. I mean, we sold thirty thousand dollars worth of art last year at Terrain wow. Eleven. Um, so there's there's legit, really, really powerful, great stuff. So come with your wallet as mm-hmm. well. Support some artists. Clear well, hands. this has been an absolute pleasure to have both of you on an Art Hour. Uh, thanks for talking about yourselves and what you do. It's been great. Thank, Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so yeah. much great for having to us. You. Yeah. Of course. Yeah.